Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. excited. Today I have Sasha Kirkman Hood and um, we are another Instagram connection but I think this is unique and different because (laughs) this connection came. um, I had shared a story, an Instagram story in my um, whatever profile about shadow banning and like how frustrating it is to do a lot of fields of work, but how frustrating it is to do work that gets constantly, you're like, okay, do I say the real word or do I make up some fake word? Do I, right? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Sasha replied and it was just this moment of connection, like, oh, someone who gets it. And then I was like, we should talk about this on the podcast. Um, A, the work you're doing, and I'll let you introduce yourself and your work you do with your husband. But um, the work you're doing is super important and I'm sure has value to add to the um, the this, this podcast audience. But then also I think there's this bigger question of like what it's like to show up in the world over and over and over and over again when it <laughs> feels like there's so many obstacles to get around and hurdles to overcome. And like, this feels like a very bold and blunt way to say it, but like, sometimes it feels like everything's against you. Like you're like, I'm just trying to do good work in the world. I'm trying to love people. I'm trying to help people. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. (laughs) So there's like those those two different angles. When I do start, I like when my um, guests introduce themselves and just share who they are, what they do. Why would they come? Why would you even come onto a podcast like this? And then we can, you know, dive into all the layers and. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited and honored to be here. I don't know if you know this. Um, it might be a surprise to you, but it fits in super surprise! well. I'm also a midwife. Do you know that I'm a midwife? And no. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. So, fact, to start out with, um, I I started um doing birth slash reproductive justice work a long time ago. Um, when I was an undergrad student, I went to South Africa and I worked with midwives Mm. in South Africa and I was so inspired by the way that they're supporting women Mm. and just seeing women who are, um, my host mom that I stayed with when I was there was, had, was a retired midwife, but just learning from her and then learning from the midwives in the clinics that are doing really important work in supporting the whole life cycle of reproductive health for women and all the things that come with that. Um, and yeah, so I came back to the U S and trained first as a doula and then later as a midwife and, and along the way on my journey, I really fell in love with, um, sex positivity, sex education, um, teaching couples and 
singles about communication around intimacy and relationships and how interlinked communication and intimacy are. And Mm. that's, that's the work that my husband and I do with Awakened Intimacy now is that we support folks in learning really, I was going to say relearning, but honestly, it's learning because we are so not provided the tools to have the kind of communication that we need to thrive in inside of intimacy. And I would say in or out of relationship, because I really believe that, you know, you can have intimacy. That's a one-time thing with someone that can be super sacred and beautiful and powerful and needed. You know, I think it's a nourishment that, that we need um, in our body, soul, spirits, all of the above. Um, and we just have a culture that teaches us there's like one way to have it and like one way that you should be. And it's so, it's so damaging. It's so harmful, you know? And, um, and then also, you know, we work a lot with couples who don't have the skills and tools and don't, um, don't know how to come back to intimacy after lots of different kinds of interruptions and intimacy, you know? Um, and we can talk about that today. I'm super excited to offer some support and guidance um, for your listeners and and answer any questions that you know your listeners may have. Um, but yeah, I've, I've actually done a lot of work in supporting women who have had abortions in the past and who um, are recovering currently from abortions and also um, worked with, with um, you know, a lot of our work is around Oh, just like listening to our bodies. A lot of my husband and I, the way that we work with folks is around listening to our bodies. And um, and there's so much wisdom in mm. the realm of hearing what our body is saying and asking for. Mm. And then we have to learn how to communicate that to other people. And I think especially in the healthcare world, and this is probably a whole other mm. podcast, but my own experience as an out-of-hospital provider, um, there's just informed consent is is not what it needs to be and a good friend of mine who um, has worked with Planned Parenthood and um, is a provider here in California she and I are often nerding out and talking about what we think informed consent needs to be and re-educating providers and so like that's another hat that I really feel passionate about but um, but all of this comes from like communication and what we don't have and what we need to communicate about intimacy and what we need to do to be able to listen to our bodies and say what we need and tune into the wisdom that our bodies have to offer us. And I just think our culture is like oversaturated with ways to get away from listening to the body. And so like that's that's the the underlying foundation of the work that we do is is, you know, a lot of um, somatic tools and coaching you know we're doing a lot of verbal coaching with people and talking about um, helping them learn how to listen and helping them learn how to communicate so um, so that's my background in a nutshell I I'm like so how long do we have <laughs> I know right this is a, we need four episodes <laughs> this is a series <laughs> yeah and definitely you know what you brought up at first I just want to say like it is so challenging to teach about sex on in in the world where like every social media platform you have to remember different rules. We just posted something on YouTube <sighs> that was fine on Instagram. Right. YouTube was like, oh, this cover image is like so sexual, or I don't know, whatever. There was some yeah. issue with the cover image. And 
and the feeling as a as an artist and a creative and somebody who wants to educate and provide to people who want the education but can't access it because there are so many barriers to just sharing information that the media and corporations don't have those barriers, right? Like they can use sex to sell, but we can't, right? Where we're here, we're here to educate. We're here to empower people. We're here to give people tools that they were never given. And, um, you know, for such good reason, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but, um, and then, our work is being taken down, then we're second guessing and trying to figure out and like relearn how to spell words in some crazy way or add these emojis. And like, my husband is really, uh, he's like, just go for it. Just post it all the way. Just write the word as it is. Like if it gets gets taken down and he has to keep reminding and holding that pole for me because I have this, um, ingrained thing that's like, oh, let me cover it up. Yeah. Oh, let me, let me just start with like a little less, right? This apologetic thing that I'm always telling women that I work with, like, don't apologize. Like you don't need to minimize what you're saying. Like it is okay to be who you are, to bring that out. And yet in my posting and my creativity, like I'm so challenged by that. So that was, that was, that's really fascinating dynamic of like socialized as men, socialized as women. Um, And he's just like, you know, apologize later. Or figure it out later. And you're like, yeah. no, how do I do it the right way? How do I, <laughs> I don't want people to make judgments or all the things. Um, one thing that gets me through, I don't know what gets you through is like, how much do I want to do this work? Right? Like the message I ultimately want to get out there. There are days where I'm like, I think probably that day I posted <laughs> and you responded. I'm like, fuck it. This is pointless. It's an uphill yeah. battle. I'm never going to win. Yeah. What is the point? Yeah. But there are days that you just want to give up because it's so hard. And then oh, there are definitely. days that are like, how much do you care? <laughs> yeah. How much do you want to help? How much yeah. do you want to serve? Is it worth it? It's like so cheesy, but like if you reach one person, is it worth it? And the answer always, you, I mean, you just come back to it over and over again. It's like, yes. Yeah. I will post the word sex, spell it wrong. I will post the word abortion, spell it wrong. I yeah. will talk about it without talking about it. Like it's just acknowledging that struggle. I think is super important. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, 100%. And I like, I mean, I think for me, that comes back to the wisdom of the body and like my body has days where if I really like, and it's, this is tricky to get out of the head and into the body. This is something I'm really personally always working on still student practitioner in this arena, but, um, my body has days where I'm like, yes, let's move. And days where it's like, no, like don't move, go slow. And really like tuning into that and using that as a guide rather than the times when my head says yes and no are quite different often than where my body is at. And it's hard if we haven't had a lot of practice to learn how to really listen into that. And I try to use that guide in my husband and I like try to use that and how we run our business, you know, that like we have a very, I would say, swings far more towards feminine business model in that like we're not using formula we're not using Mm -hmm. like what everyone else is doing and we're really we're really listening 
and we find that that our our perfect people that are supposed to hear us and find us respond to that you know and so like me really trusting that and trusting something outside of myself something greater than me you know the universe is like bringing me what needs to come in when it needs to come yeah I I love that because that's how we connected right and that's how like if I think about this podcast as like a little example of just trusting and letting it unfold and believing that not only are like amazing people going to connect with this show, but like we're going to obviously have so much to talk about. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. Coming back to some of the notes, let's, I think even though it's why I sort of invited you to have this conversation with me, like let's talk about the other wisdom you have from midwifery and and yeah. your um awakened intimacy work yeah um for so this i'm also literally processing how much of my own personal life do i want to share right now <laughs> <laughs> i so i've been married we've we met in high school and mm. we have been married wow. for over 20 years we've been together for was you know it's almost 27 years like it's wow. a long long relationship congratulations so that's incredible <laughs> that's really something to celebrate <laughs> true I agree been through many stages layers chapters and just recently I have found myself having to like kind of work for the spark mm. And I thought of it when you were talking about like, you know, um, communication and intimacy and, um, yeah, I'm like, how, I don't want to just use you for information, but here's what I noticed. That's what I'm here for. Like, ask me. And you know what? The personal example, it really is going to hit with other people who are listening. And I think it's it's vulnerable, right? But I yeah. think anything that's really supportive and educational comes from a vulnerable place. So so as much as you want to share, please don't worry about me. I'm happy yeah. to- Yeah, my hesitation is example. less about do I want to share and more of like, I'm processing this as I speak. Like oh, my yeah. head is figuring this out as I speak. So totally. we are a couple who um, had a united front on our abortion decision in that we both like, it was hard for both of us. We both knew it was the right decision. You know, Mm -hmm. he ultimately was like, it's your body, it's your choice. But also like, we both feel like it's a baby that we're saying goodbye to, not just like a clump of cells, even though it is technically a clump of cells, like (laughs) very united front brought us closer together. Um. Mm. Intimacy was very intense afterwards, A, because I didn't want to get pregnant again, B, because like we'd just been through something like deeply uniting together. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) right before this call, I had a a group call in my little membership group I'm in and I had posted inside the membership. We had no, we have three kids, 19, almost 17 and 10. They're all away from the house for more than 24 hours which Mm -hmm. never happens when you have three Mm -hmm. kids and so we had some like time it was like hey we have an afternoon like I'm gonna take a bath let's climb into bed together super beautiful intimate sexual experience and then afterwards 
I almost was like crying because I was like, I think I'm having a midlife crisis. I think I'm having Mm. an existential crisis. Mm. And the intimacy was like what brought it out for me. The reason I'm relating this back to abortion is I remember crying after sex, not because it hurt, not because I didn't want to be with him, not because I was scared. There was just this like deep, vulnerable, like place of connection and like, physical, emotional, spiritual, everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like that's what happened to me yesterday too. It was really similar where I just Mm. was like so emotional after and felt like, I think I'm having an existential crisis. (laughs) I don't know what the point of being human is or Mm -hmm. if I'm doing it right or like, how's, how does this go? But leading up to this, see, this is where I'm like processing out loud because there's so many layers here. Leading up to this, I kept like wanting to be attracted to him and I just wasn't, that spark wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Like when you say spark, do you mean like the feeling of turn on in your own body or do you mean more like the excitement and like turn on in, in connection to something nutrient that you receive in connection with him do you have a sense of the difference between those two it's like in my head one note I took when you were talking was like the intellect versus the lived experience and I know this is the work of like out of your head into your body but like in my head I knew I love him I knew like the idea of sex and intimacy was like all on board even craving it, but then the lived experience, like something was shutting down. Like there wasn't Mm -hmm. like the chemistry and the charge. And that disconnect of like my brain wants it. My like I was I'm not like mad at him or like intellectually unattracted to him. But there just was this mismatch between like what my head wanted and what my body was experiencing yeah and yeah it, yeah okay I, go ahead I ask your a question things and you can tell me what resonates or or like where I'm striking a chord and where I'm not for, <laughs> personally yeah um, I think as as you know I'm going to talk about my own experience of being a cis woman but I know there are lots of listeners who might not be a cis woman and I'm just talking about my yeah yeah um so for me as a woman um there's a lot of ideas I have about um there's a lot of ideas my head has about like what what means I'm turned on what means I feel attracted to my partner what means I'm ready to have sex or create Mm. a field where intimacy can even occur right like taking clothes off starting to make out like asking for the experience right and in my work a lot of what we talk about is like what happens when you're like hey you know talk about a marriage and you have kids around and other stuff and life like hey do you want to make out later sometimes like we'll we'll ask each other in the middle of the day like (laughs) after our kids in bed like do you want to make right that beginning of of just asking for it right um the idea of like what my head thinks needs to happen for me to go into the experience and then like this portal that happens inside of intimacy that's really nourishing where we feel safe where we can let go 
where the vigilance center is not online, right? Where we're more really in our limbic system, that the cortex is offline, our limbic system is like open, right? We're in the animal body when we feel safe, when we feel a connection with this person, when we feel we can surrender, right? That like yeah, a lot of my experience, definitely. like I deeply want to be surrendered. I deeply yeah. want out of my head. And yeah. if we're in our head, if we're thinking about like, oh my God, I wasn't turned on or, oh my God, I'm resentful at you about this thing you said or um, what anything that takes us into our head. And, and as a woman, like, I feel like I'm so in my head and I just, for me, like what I'm working on right now and what's, what's alive for me in this phase of my own development, it's like really having a new look. And I've been using some of this language and doing this work for about 15 years. Um, and I'm like, oh, again, I'm a beginner here in like seeing how much I'm actually in my head when I, when I crave to be in my body, yeah. like my yeah. body is asking me like, come down, be in the body, be in the emotion, right? That place where we open, we have a, a energetic spiritual opening inside of a physical opening experience. So inside of sex, when something opens in us, and we have that cathartic cry, right? That like can be release of trauma, right? That may or may not have anything to do with what happened today, right? But the body is able to let go and then emotional release can happen. Um, and that happens for me frequently inside of intimacy experiences. Like crying is a big part of it. And I still, I'm like, I... I've re recently taken on a practice of doing more like intentional, okay, I'm going to do emotional release. And um, recently came back from a workshop and asked my husband to hold space for me to do the emotional release. And he knows this because we are, we do a lot of co-practices together. But I was like, if, if he wasn't the person he is, I would have said, I don't want you to do anything or, or say anything or fix anything. I just want you to sit and witness me essentially. And, and with him and I, I didn't have to say that cause he knows, but, um, but I asked him, you know, would you hold space for me to do this practice that I do? And, um, and I, we used a timer and like, I had a big opening and it actually totally unplanned led to an intimate experience afterwards. But like, that yeah. wasn't the intention of it, right? There's no like really important for me to that like if I were new at doing this kind of work and I was asking my husband to witness me in something like that I would really want to close that container of him witnessing me before I move into another experience and really make sure we both are fully consenting to the next experience that like oh it just organically involves into this thing and then the next time my body is like oh I don't know if I can open because will there be this expectation that then we're going to have intimacy afterwards yeah um, I had to name that for myself and everyone listening. So I think, you know, what I, what I started with in responding to you is like, there's this idea of how I think I need to be in order to go into an intimate experience. And then in my work, what I really have learned is that it's, it's almost the other way around. So my language for this is like, we think that we need to turn on in order to have sex. I need to be turned on a certain way in order to be willing to open for intimacy. And actually it's um, it's that we need to have sex in order to turn on. For me, there's like something that doesn't come alive, come online in my yeah, body no, I get that. until I'm in an experience, right? And that like, 
even inside of the experience, I'm there are still these little places of like, oh, let go of that thought. Oh, let go of that thought. Right? Whether it's like, oh, how do I look? Like, or you know, like, what does my partner think of my body? Or like, it can just be something that has nothing to do with what's happening. But we tend to just really be in our heads and like thinking about like, oh, he's doing this for me. Do I need to do that for him? Or like, did I leave the stove on? Or like, what about that email? Like, like on any level. All of those are ways that we get out of being in our body. And when we fully drop in, and this took, again, like years and years of intentional practice of putting down my cortex and really coming in and like listening to what's happening in my body. But um, but what I'm hearing when you talk about it is like there the disconnect is in like you have an idea of how it needs to be. And then your body's feeling is is totally different than what your head's idea of like, oh, I didn't feel attracted to you in this moment or, oh, I was fearful or something else was going on, right? That oftentimes in committed partnership, when we're not feeling attracted, it's like there's withheld communication that we haven't said. And part of that, that like place where we're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not how I should be in order to be able to access that place of intimacy that I want to get to, or some part of me wants to get to. Um, there's stuff in the way and we can't always, it's hard to identify what that stuff is. If you don't have support, if you don't have experience, if you don't have tools to get to it, you know what I mean? So many interesting things popping up. Yeah. <laughs> One that is so relevant to my audience who is struggling with um, any kind, any layer, like kinds of sexual intimacy after abortion. Yeah. There's a connect here to like part of what I can see now was blocking me is my remembering what had already happened so like remembering oh, yeah. what good sex could look like right and wanting back something that was right versus letting something new unfold yes and so yeah. i'm noticing like a few times moving into some kind of sexual experience and then just like shutting down like I just yeah. shut down I was like nope I'm done not turned on anymore mm. completely shut down yeah moving on well, I just I want to say something about that for your listeners about that because I think all of us have experienced that in some form and particularly post-abortion post an experience that involved grief trauma you know growth in a way we didn't anticipate we were going to have the growth um we have to allow the space when the body says no, when the, when yes. some part of us shuts down, we have to give that part of us permission. And a lot of us, even myself who's done this work for years and years, um, doesn't always give ourselves full permission to close. Yeah. And we need to be the first one who is, who says to our body, I hear you. I honor that it is okay to say, to end an experience in the middle. Yeah. It is okay to. Um, and I think this, even in committed partnership, this is really hard, right? Yeah. To just say like, oh, something is closing. I need to honor that, right? Not even to the other person, but to myself, like yeah, something is not, not where I want to be to be open. And I need to really listen to that part of myself. So I just wanted to 
pinpoint that because I think well that like- explains the words I wrote down a few minutes ago which like before you said that I had written down on what I did is that I honored the shutdown right yeah. like I just yeah. honored it I was like well that just happened <laughs> yeah yeah and again fortunately I have a very loving partner who like doesn't like just take it personally or something yeah, yeah yeah so or even if he sometimes does because I don't actually know I don't make it mean anything like what I did is I honored the shutdown and then I didn't like attach any kind of meaning to it like oh my god we've lost connection our 25 years was good and we're done we're just over right and unsexual like I just I honored the shutdown and I it's not that I didn't have all kinds of crazy thoughts or wish that it had been different there was part of me that was like I wish that didn't just happen (laughs) right sure I did wish it but I didn't like I didn't attach any meaning I just honored the shutdown Hmm. and I released like letting it mean anything and then so these are all things I teach my clients to do after abortion is like honor what's happening Mm -hmm. acknowledge And if you can like kind of detach, release any meaning you're making, or at least consciously be like, I like this meaning I'm giving it. Yeah. And also keep showing up. Just like Mm -hmm. I've said a million times on my podcast, like to your healing, to your grief, to your creating purpose, it's like keep showing up. And that's what I did in the intimacy in my marriage is like, okay, well, that was a shutdown, but I'm going to keep showing up and then oh, let yeah. it evolve. Like, let it. I'm questioning now. Did I have an underlying belief that we are still meant for each other, that there was more intimacy to be had, that we would get back on track? Like, that this was temporary. And I think like, I'd like to say, I just kept showing up not knowing what the finish line was, but I think I probably had an underlying belief that it will come back. I don't know when, but it will come back. And that, can you keep showing up without that belief? I think it's really easy at times to really like hear a small fear. That's one part of yourself, not all of you. That's like, maybe we're not meant for each other anymore because, right. (laughs) And go on a ride with a fear. And I think, I think there are certain parts of our fears that are really important to share and like create intimacy on on sharing what's true, what we're processing. And also there are some fears that like, I need to do my own process work on before I bring them into my marriage, you know, that like we talk about we have a very open book with each other. We share a lot. <laughs> I would yeah. say everything, pretty much everything. Um, and we both do a lot of our own work with our fear, with our anger, with our, and that doesn't mean that like, we don't, we withhold the emotion from each other because we really don't. Um, we're like fighting is the healthy part of relationship. Um, but, but yeah, like, I think there's something in what you said around, I think there's a piece of it to to hold and process and honor and like feel into on your own. And there's a, there's a piece of it to like 
I mean, I think, I guess what I want to, what I'm hearing from what you're saying, not in, in like underneath the words is like, you are making space for the relationship to have an evolution and you won't know what it looks like on the other side. And that's uncomfortable. That creates fear of like, oh, we're changing. We're different than how we were before. Right. And when there's any like life altering experience of any kind, like we are different. We evolve into the next version of ourselves. And sometimes that evolution involves pain of the loss of the old self. You know, I think that that can be said um, with so many rites of passage, right? If I think about the connection to like intimacy that led to like that kind of raw spiritual life cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like to get to that, I don't know how you define the term awakened intimacy, but like to get to that awakened place. Yeah. I had to be okay with the times that were just like, well, that didn't turn out the way I wanted it. Totally. Yeah. I had to have those roadblock kind of awkward moments. And I would say this is like maybe been a month where I was like, so there's a disconnect between what my head wants and what my body wants. Like something just wasn't right. Right. But like, did I have to go through that to get to the, that emotional really, I am not a person who cries after sex very often like mm. literally I'm remembering and I wasn't crying yesterday but it was that that deep emotional, emotional like really, yeah vulnerable like I yeah. and my husband is not like yours like he doesn't do a lot of inner work he doesn't like mm. he's super just like annoyingly intuitive and aware (laughs) in a lot of ways that he doesn't have to work for it and I feel like I have to work (laughs) but in other ways he shuts down a lot I'm like this is really endearing you definitely should have him listen to this episode yeah I really should (laughs) (laughs) so sweet um so I think my relationship's very different than yours like we we don't have like do emotional practices with each other or like journaling exercises or like I don't know that I I get the sense that it's very different but I like that as evidence that like there are multiple ways to have a healthy relationship I didn't involve him in any of my inner workings of like what the fuck's going on with my body and my spirit and my brain and like my lack of attraction right now you might disagree But like, I don't think I needed to involve him. I just needed to work through that on my own. No, that's great. Trust him. Like I wasn't blaming him. I also wasn't leaning on him. Right? Like, I wasn't. No, I mean, I didn't. Nothing I I ever say is a formula. So I'm like, I have a lot of room for. And I think every situation is different. I think like in this round, you were really leaning into what you needed which was what I'm hearing you describe is something I would call like treating your intimacy as a practice right and that's like that's again like something very foundational for us um for Moritz and I my husband uh to like 
each time it's like a brand new book, right? With a new page and really mm -hmm. like releasing the expectation that it's going to look like yesterday or last week or five years ago and like coming into like today is a new experience and we have to keep coming back to the mat even when the experience is uncomfortable, right? So if you think about it, like if you pull a muscle and you're doing like a yep. physical practice like yoga um, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to like not go to yoga. And sometimes that's what's needed is to sit out of your practice, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes that is the practice. Sometimes the practice is go and do half the poses or go and lay in Shavasana, right? It's yeah. sort of like, there's not a one size fits all, but treating it like a practice means we continue to come back and discover like what wants to happen today. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think this is, um, yeah, just in so many arenas for me, I've learned to look at a lot of different areas of my life as practice. And this is something that was, that I learned in, in having a, um, uh, sexuality and meditation practice with my husband and that I learned in a community before we were together that had me really like take off all the expectations that culturally it's very normal. It's normalized to have a lot of expectations around intimacy, around sex, especially in long-term relationship, but not only in long-term relationship. I think it's really easy to get into this habit of like, well, you have your things I you like, and I have my things I like, and we sort of like do what we do every time. And it's like, doesn't acknowledge that like the body is changing constantly mm -hmm. and um, our desire is constantly changing. You know, that's something that I love talking with women about desire because just what you described, there are times where like we show up and we might have an experience that we don't like. I'm putting that in air quotes. And, and what happens is like, inside of those experiences, we start to have a value judgment of like, this is good sex and this is bad sex. And like, when we didn't have a good experience, then it means something about whether or not we're connected enough. And that means something about the longevity, the life shelf life of our marriage, right? Like, it's really easy to go on that trip. But if we take away the like, this means it's good and this means it's bad. And we're like, oh yeah, today I felt you know, if you, I don't know if you've ever done any sitting meditation, but like when you're, when you're sitting, you get to feel into, and I have my clients do this, like do a body scan, right? Like feel each part of your body, see what you're feeling. And sometimes people are like, I felt nothing. And like, oh, you know what? Right now I'm actually feeling this weird numb tingling in my left knee. And if you were like after sex, you were like, I felt this weird numb tingling in my left knee. <laughs> Some people would be like, well, that was bad because what I felt was numbness. But what I say is like, huh. if we treat sex as a practice, there is no bad. And there is no like penultimate, like one location we have to get to. Because if we have one location we have to get to, we miss a hundred thousand other possibilities of what we can feel. And as we evolve and grow and our hormones change and our relationship shifts and like, who we are in the world is like everything is changing constantly. Right. And I like kids are such a good reminder of this. If you look at a child and see like every day they're growing, right? Like we are growing that fast too. We just don't think about it. Um, but spiritually, emotionally, physically, hormonally, like we are shifting constantly. And mm. if we look at it as a practice where we stop assigning a value and do just what you, you sort of naturally created this, what I would call a research experiment for yourself, where you were like, I'm going to keep observing. I'm going to be like, all right, what happens? Right. And on the other side of that, you did have this 
um, this opening, what I would call an opening, right? Like an experience of moving something that you couldn't have moved with your cortex. You had to move from dropping all the way into your body. And there were a bunch of times that you came into the experience and you're like, oh, it's not how you want it. It's not quite on. Like it's not, we're not having the spark of fire, right? And then something shifts. And I do think there are ways to come to that. I just want to speak to like any couples who feel like they've been in that spot without spark for years. I do think there are ways to bring attention to that and to work on that very intentionally. And sometimes the practice is to observe like you did and to not make it wrong like you did and to, and to keep coming back to the practice, keep treating it like a practice without having an expectation. You know what I think? Like if you don't have any experience with yoga or meditation, like I think about toothbrushing because we do it every day and we're never like, that was a great toothbrushing session. Like I succeeded, (laughs) right? Or like, that was a bad one. I'm like, my toothbrush does. My toothbrush is electric electric one, you know, that gives you the like happy face if you do the full two minutes. (laughs) Like if you do less, it's like a sad face. It's really terrible. I'm like not motivated by your shame toothbrush. (laughs) Um, But think about our relationship to toothbrushing and how we show up to it without much expectation but we keep doing it hopefully yeah. every day or multiple times a day. Um, and, and in the long run, like we're doing something for the health of our dental hygiene. <laughs> My sister-in-law is a dentist. I'm like, <laughs> she'll love this. She'll like great preaching. <laughs> um, and, and like, if we were able to treat our sex more in that way with taking away the expectation, right? That's the yeah. point of my silly metaphor is that if we can really remove the expectation and it's hard because we have a lot of expectation on intimacy, especially in long-term partnership. We're like, I need this, this experience to get me into this place because if we're connected, then we have this X, Y, and Z flow in our relationship. And if we're doing that, you know, it impacts both of our businesses, whether they're connected or not, but like ours is connected. And, and when we're in flow with each other, things are thriving, right? Our kids are responding to the health of our marriage. Our um, house looks different when our relationship is thriving. Our communication is different. Our relationship to our extended family, all of it's so impacted, right? And it, it's also, it can be a really hard place when things are not going well to be like, oh, this is what we want to work on. This is what we want to prioritize. And um, my experience is like, if if you start from there, the positive ripple effect will move through everything in your life. And I think you can learn from what your experience you just had, that there are some things that you did and that you can continue to do. And you can continue to cultivate more of that access to that place where you were able to have that opening with him and um and it's beautiful that you had it and that you can that you can name like how powerful it was for you yeah I'm still like reflecting back to all these parts of it but keep coming back to the mat it's so useful for me and so important whether we're we're doing intimacy work or marriage work or abortion work, or it's like, just keep coming back, keep coming back. And like the teeth brushing example is interesting because if you have a dedicated 
toothbrushing practice and then you go to the dentist and they're like I think you have a cavity starting you don't just give up on toothbrushing like you go back to the mat like you keep brushing maybe you change a different element maybe you like change your diet maybe you start flossing three times a day like like you don't just walk away like you keep coming back even when it doesn't go the way you wanted it to right Um, Right, exactly. That is interesting to me. Another thing that was allowed when you were just talking was like, it doesn't have to be perfect to be valuable. At first I wrote, it doesn't have to be perfect to be good. And then I was like, that's even, that word's not right. Like it doesn't have to be perfect to be valuable. Like those times that I shut down in the last month, I'm just going to say month, maybe it was a little bit longer. Those were still valuable. Like those were still for our relationship, for him, for me, like that was all valuable, even yeah. though it wasn't good. Like it wasn't, yeah. those times were not like, oh, that was good sex. Like, but it was so valuable as a part of like the whole picture. And totally. a lot of people after abortions or birth trauma or miscarriage loss, like it can be hard to revisit, like, come, like, valuable intimate relationships and good sex and like that to hold on to that if you're not there yet or if it's taking longer than you thought it would like that doesn't mean it's not valuable keep going back to the mat it's still absolutely and I want to I want to add like for anyone who's in a period of healing from loss, abortion, trauma, et cetera, like any of these things or or just regular postpartum birth, which is a huge change even when things go as expected, again, with my air quotes, um, that we really are goal-oriented around sex. Culturally, we're taught to be very like, you know, if you're talking about cis-hetero couple, we're thinking P and V, right? And like yeah. getting to that, that place is like success. Um, or orgasm as like a marker of success, right? Climax. Mm-hmm. And I just want to acknowledge for anyone who's in a period of needing to move slower or having pain or or processing through trauma, it is so powerful to really take the goal off the table when you want mm-hmm. to start to be exploring intimacy mm-hmm. and to say like, um, you know, let's, and I learned this from having a practice that was very specific around, um, sex and intimacy said, let's, let's have a timer. Let's do a 15 minute timer and let's just do massage without genital touching, right? Like really taking all the goals away and, and just like, how can I feel connected to my body? Even as a solo practice, right? Mm Self-pleasure, massage how can I touch my body that isn't even if I'm not ready to have genital touch like just taking that goal off the table and like removing as many goals as you need to to be able to go slow and receive touch either from yourself or from a lover or partner that's so Mm -hmm. important to dial back the expectation and I think it's really like okay like at this certain number of weeks like my healthcare provider said like do whatever, right? Go back to normal. (laughs) Go back to normal. It's just normal, right? Um, There is no back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There is no back for sure. Yeah. If I think about like the disconnect I was having in the last many weeks, 
I'm also having like, I'm growing out of all my pants, like I'm gaining weight. So I have like my own body stuff and Mm. like financially things are weird. There's like so many different things that have nothing to do with him or us or our marriage. It's just why it's like, I still showed up to that, but yeah, me shutting down during sex had many layers it wasn't just yeah. about <laughs> yeah it's not just about what's happening in the moment There's and so I, many things happening and I we, love I think, that you said oh go ahead I just was gonna say like uh there's such a tendency to want to rescue the other partner from the ego harm like oh I have I want to stop or I'm having something in me is shutting down and like e- whether it's conscious and in the moment or later um and I just it's so valuable to hear you you share your own permission to like not need to take care of your other, your husband, you know? And I just, I think that's really hard for a lot of us to it like is. advocate for our own need without taking care of the other person's experience. So I just wanted to, wanted to reiterate that. That's and all. that doesn't mean I didn't have those people pleasing thoughts. Right. <laughs> but you didn't act on <laughs> but them. But I didn't act on them. So I just want to be clear. I am not some evolved human who wasn't at all, (laughs) like didn't have the thoughts. I just didn't act on them. But I love how you said take, and this is related to is like how you said, take the goal off the table. Yeah. Um, Because earlier in the conversation, I said that I had a belief that we'd get back to somewhere, but that's actually not true. If I think back to like what shifted in the last couple of days, Granted, I had the circumstance of no children in the house. So that was my, I don't think my kids listen to this podcast either, but if they do, I apologize to them as well. Um, Don't apologize. Oh, I, I, we're very open in all of our conversations, but they'll still have a, oh, mom moment. Um, I didn't actually have a belief that we'd get back to good. Right. I had a belief that I would be led to the next right thing. And I say this mm. all the time on my podcast in different ways. It's like, I, again, I've been in this long relationship, this long marriage. And I think one of the keys to it for me is like, I let myself question it. And that's yeah. what I did this the last few weeks too. Like, I didn't have a belief that it would all be good again. I just had a belief that like, okay, this is going to go in a direction. Right. It's either going to end in, okay, maybe we aren't meant for each other anymore. Or like, oh my gosh, things just up leveled and they're even better than they ever have been. Like, yeah, was actually letting go of the goal that I yeah. think was helpful. Um. I mean, it is life-changing, the yeah. goal, learning how to be goalless with anything. And I love how you described that, that being powerful for you. And it is really hard because our culture is so goal-oriented and um, so many of our jobs and just like normal life experiences are really dependent on goals as a measure of progress, success. And it, it's hard it's hard to live in that world and then be like, oh, I'm going to use this totally other um, set of rules for 
intimacy and discovering something in in intimate relationship in in any relationship in my belief right I also want to be goalless in my relationship with my kid and my relationship with my parents right not just my intimate relationships Mm -hmm. um yeah and I just I really I I additionally want to want to cheerlead again for the the goal or removing the goal of of climax like having an experience and saying like we might have 20 sexual encounters and we're not going to have a goal that any of them includes a climax for either of us we're just going to touch and connect and Mm. feel and ask for what we want and make adjustments of the of the other person you know tell them what we're wanting um make an offer would you like more of this would you like less of this um you know, instead of saying like, how is this? Do you like it? Saying to your partner, would you like more pressure? Or um, would you like me to go slower? You know, making those kinds of offers. And then again, asking for what you want without a goal of like, my body needs to be somewhere for this to to be how my attachment says it should. And that's really hard. That takes practice. So just something to play with. I think in any part of our journey around the human journey, on knowing our bodies and intimacy it's it's really interesting to take the goal off the table and if it happens great but like if it isn't if we're not just being linear about it there's so much more to experience besides this finite game yep it goes back to like a, a toward the beginning of the conversation i said something about like wanting what was and yeah. so I like I intellectually wanted what I knew was possible because it had happened in the past and my hyper fixation on getting that back was not helping the situation right <laughs> um I do think we we definitely need to go <laughs> I think we're coming up on the hour here um I do think there is a cultivation and a practice I have been working deeper and deeper toward and will never stop, which is just the self-trust and knowing that I will be okay. Whatever happens, I will be okay. Mm -hmm. So even though I took more tangible goals off the table, because I really questioned myself when I said, did I keep showing up because I believed it would get good again? And what I... I do really think I kept showing up because I believed I would be okay. I mm-hmm. believed that like this would lead to the next highest good for yes. whatever everyone yes. involved. hundred percent. And I, I'm, I'm so living that way too. I think that always has to be, I think that's a goal that's not ever worth taking off the finish line. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I would, I would not even call it a goal. I would call it like a value set, you know, just for me in my, in my goalless life, which is not 100% goalless, but that, that value of, um, of yeah, knowing that like, I mean, we talk about this in our relationship, like we don't know what the next form will be, right? We can't. We said this in our wedding vows. We did like a very non-traditional 
wedding vows with each other and and acknowledge that like we don't know who we're going to be in the future and I think that like that touchstone what you just said of like knowing I will be I will be okay and there will be some unknown and that can be really frightening but on the other side of it like trusting what unfolds is such a powerful um yeah just like thing I want to say thing to try on because I think if you've never tried it on before it's a scary it's a scary idea like is that possible can I do that you know and I just yeah I acknowledge your courage and your bravery of living that way and I I like really and I think again like I will be okay is not this belief that like everything's gonna be great it's not I will be good it's not like (laughs) it's like whatever I face next I'm gonna get through it I'm gonna grow through it and I'm gonna be curious about it and I'm gonna get help and I'm gonna it's not like the kind of self-trust that like I only need me myself and I not hyper independence right yeah Mm -hmm. it's like I I trust myself to like get the help I need to lean to the places I need to go to feel the things I need to feel to like fall apart and come back together yes yes all right well I'm probably I edit my own podcast so I'm probably gonna listen back to this and be like okay that was an episode because I really feel like I was not even present half the time I was like processing so much stuff mm-hmm. in my own head well I really appreciated Thanks. our conversation and, and I'm grateful I I think it was a very coherent conversation and perfect in my opinion in that it was so non-linear and I haven't yet had a podcast conversation with anyone that that was linear because that's oh, not my, yeah. either they're but the best there's so much magic available when we're not having a goal and that was really what we got to do here yeah. and so appreciate your inviting me and um yeah this space really perfect thank you so much and um so awakened intimacy isn't there like some kind of punctuation in your instagram handle too yes in our instagram it's awakened underscore intimacy um and we are the same on tiktok um and uh we have something coming up for couples if i can mention it i don't know when this how soon this will come out but we have a, a free free six-week workshop that's going to be live taught online from you can view from anywhere in the world um that Moritz and I are teaching together called collaborative partnership so you can access that on the link in my bio on Instagram um and wait when is that starting uh starts March 16th okay I'll just I I have not created tomorrow's podcast so I'll just make this tomorrow's podcast and then amazing ta-da! anyone who listens um in that time frame and I know people listen way back but or way ahead whichever way you look at it um so I'll release this sooner so that people have access to that if they want it awesome. thank you and um thank you I look forward to staying in touch yeah so good to talk to you and um yeah grateful to be here Perfect. Thanks for listening, and as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.